Almighty God, in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of your free wisdom. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Old Testament reading comes from Isaiah chapter 35, verses 1 through 10 in the Holy Bible. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy in singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it and the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of your God. Strengthen the weakened hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, and, the sh and then shall the lame man leap like a heart. And the tongue of the dumb sing for joy. The waters shall break forth in the wilderness, the streams in the desert, and the burning sand shall become a pool. In the thirsty ground springs of water, the haunt of the jackals shall become a swamp, the grass shall become reeds and rushes, and a highway should be here, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not pass over it, and the fool shall not err in there. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up upon it. They shall not be found, but the redeemed shall walk there and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Before I read the New Testament lesson, I'm wearing the Madonna microphone, which is making me very nervous. So bear with me with this thing hanging around my ear. But I'm going to try it because I don't mind trying new things. <laughs> Scripture lesson from the New Testament is from Matthew's Gospel, the 11th chapter, beginning with the second verse. Listen now for God's word. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look for? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out then to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. 
This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has risen greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. My two front teeth, see my two front teeth. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth and I can wish you a very Merry Christmas. Now why in the world I thought about that tune this past week, I'm clueless. But at least it helps to set a framework for what we're going to think about this morning. Because the issue in the passage of scripture this morning is about our expectations And the question I pose to you is, what are you expecting for Christmas? It seems to be an easy enough question and a simple one to answer. Yet we know that holidays can be downright tricky. There are numerous expectations that people have and many expectations that are never realized. This is the biggest religious, or not the biggest religious, but the biggest kind of holiday season, I think, in our culture. And so we have all kinds of expectations of what's going to happen. Will he give me the ring that we've been talking about for engagement for the last 18 months? Will the family all be together finally on Christmas Day? Will we have enough money to buy all the presents that everybody wants? Will we have a meltdown in the family at Christmas dinner like we had last Christmas? Do you think we can get our act together and get to Christmas Eve service somewhat close to on time? And will we ever finish all the decorations and the shopping and who are we going to leave out this year? Not to mention the fact that counseling sessions are on the increase in this time of the year. People going into mental health institutions rise and unfortunately suicides peak at this time of year. Things that we're not expecting but things that do happen. So the holidays are complex and often complicated and yet at a deeper level it seems that there has to be more than just trying to get through the holidays and get to Christmas It seems that the deeper issue in this holiday season is something that's spiritual and personal. We get so overwhelmed with the commercial focus about Christmas, with all the parties that we attend and with all the hectic pace that we go on with, that we lose the reason for the season, the reason that was established 2,000 years ago, The reason we put such focus on this holiday season in the church. And I want to propose today that our expectations for Christmas may not be in harmony with what scripture teaches. That scripture really is talking about a reason for the season that oftentimes is foreign to our experience. That the real meaning of Christmas is not about a manger, is not about trees or gifts, it's not even about all the decorations. I also want to go one step further, which you're probably going to argue with me in the social hour with, but that's all right. 
The reason for Christmas, I don't think, is even about Jesus. The reason for Christmas is why Jesus came. What Jesus did in his life. The reason for Christmas is that Jesus was Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Not God for us. Not God behind us, not God under us or God over us, but God with us is the reason for the season. Last week we found our good friend John the Baptist. Not exactly the person you would invite to Christmas dinner, I don't think, especially in his attire of camel hair that he wore as well as his diet. I mean, just imagine feeding people locusts and wild honey for Christmas Day dinner. But that's the way he was. And he was out in the wilderness and he was preaching. Supposedly, he was the one that Elijah had said would come first to prepare the way of the Lord and make straight his paths. And last week, we discovered that John was about repentance preaching a message of repentance because the kingdom of heaven is near at hand. And he was trying to say to us that if you have repented, then bear fruit that's worthy of repentance. If you've repented, your life is going to be different. You're going to act different. You're going to be different. You're going to do different. For repentance is a challenge to us to live a new life. And what a difference a week makes. Now just be clear, biblically speaking, we're not just a week apart. There are several things that have happened between Matthew 3 and Matthew 11. But this week, as we read about John, he's in jail. He's been thrown in jail on a trumped-up charge. He evidently went from preaching to meddling with Herod... And said, Herod, you're wrong in divorcing your wife. And Herod decided that's enough and threw him in jail. And while in jail, John was hearing what this Jesus was doing. And so he sent his disciples to see Jesus and to ask him about what he was doing. And the question was, are you the one for whom we're waiting? Or is there someone else coming? It seems a pretty odd question. Because if you remember from last week, John was very clear, this is the Messiah. Repent and believe in him. And now he's raising a question of doubt. Are you the one for which we're waiting? Or is the real McCoy finally going to come? Which really seems out of place in this Advent season. We're getting ready for the birth of Jesus. We're getting excited about a birthday. We're getting excited about all the presents. And now John throws this curveball in saying, are you really he? Amidst all the twinkling lights and the ugly sweater parties and all of the nostalgia and quiet solemn music of Christmas, is this what we're waiting for? Or is the real Messiah still to come? My question to you is, have you ever doubted Jesus? Have you ever had questions about whether Jesus really is the Messiah? Where was Jesus when you went through bankruptcy? Where was Jesus when you didn't get that promotion that you were sure that you were going to get? Where was Jesus when that person who was very special to you 
at least you thought they were, just dumped you one day. Where was God when your children denounced you and said, enough is enough? Where was Christ when you prayed for a sign and you got nothing? Or when you try to live a good life and you keep getting all these things thrown in your face that are negative and take away. Have you ever doubted who Jesus Christ is? I would venture to say that all of us have been in the valley. That all of us have gone through some real deep doubts. That all of us have wondered if this God is really what we're here about. That we've all had some spiritual crises in our lives and wondered if God was going to be there for us. And if you have, I just want to say you're normal. That you're on target that is part of the Christian faith and part of the Christian experience. And the God that we worship can withstand any doubt we throw at him. The God that we worship can withstand any ridicule that we may hurl at him. The God that we worship is still with us when we abandon him because <coughs> he is Emmanuel, God with us. Not God for us or under us or over us. But God with us, even down in the valley, even in the abyss that we find ourselves in, even in the depths, Jesus is present because he is Emmanuel, God with us. And yet with the doubting question of John and maybe even our doubting questions, I think Jesus answers the question in verse 5, he tells the disciples of John to go tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have good news brought to them. That is what I am doing, Jesus says. That's the reason I am on this earth, he indicates. That's the purpose of my life. And if anyone takes no offense at that, they will be blessed. You notice that Jesus' ministry was fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah 35. Dreaming a dream of a new day, a new world, a new possibility. Dreaming a dream of what life could be all about. And yet John wondered if Jesus was the Messiah. But John wondered that because John was disappointed that Jesus was not what he expected. Jesus was not someone who came with power and might. Jesus was not someone who came to rule with an iron hand. Jesus was not someone who said right is right and wrong is wrong and everything is black and white. Jesus is not the person who came to use the power structures of this world to change this world. John was disappointed because Jesus was dealing with losers, not winners. Jesus was dealing with the have-nots, not the haves. Jesus was dealing with people on the other side of the street, not our side of the street. 
For what good is a blind person? What good is a deaf person? What good is someone who is lame and can't walk? What good is someone who is deaf? What good is someone who's dead? And what good are poor people? They are not movers and shakers. I think that we're not much unlike John, wondering what good all this stuff is. What difference are we making in this world? Is it worth our time and our effort? Because it means that we are looking at an entirely different expectation of Jesus and of Christmas season. But it seems like John and all the people that Jesus ministered to had something in common. It seems like they had a common to them for they all were in need they all could not live life alone they all needed something to make their life meaningful finding strength and a power greater than they finding strength and a power that would give them life even life eternal finding strength in the anointed one the one who had been sent to us, Emmanuel, God with us. For all the people that Jesus listed he was working with all had needs, and not just physical needs, but personal and emotional and spiritual needs. And John found himself in the same boat and was not willing to realize it and admit it as he was more concerned about his agenda than he was about Jesus' agenda. And I wonder if we're not just like that. All of us here have needs. All of us here are standing in the need of Jesus Christ. All of us here are just like John. This past week, I watched on three nights Ellen's greatest night of giveaways. Now, this is pretty significant because I've only owned a TV for a year. And I wouldn't do cable because it's too expensive. No offense to anyone who works for the cable company. So I got an a antenna that gets 23 channels. And recently, now only gets two. I don't know what happened to other 21, but at least the two worked. And so for three nights, Ellen DeGeneres had this greatest night of giveaways. She discovered families and community groups around the country that had particular needs. And the giveaways were beyond extravagant. One family got a new house. Another family had their $300,000 mortgage paid off. A community group for an after-school program got $100,000 from her. This one person who was in an accident and could not walk, was never supposed to walk again, walked on stage and got all kinds of support for medical issues. And this father and his two daughters who had lost his wife and their mother got an incredible gift after having suffered through cancer with them, with her. To say the least, I cried through every event. It was so touching it was so incredible. And yet for me, the principle at work there, even though it was secular, was the very same principle at work in this passage of Scripture. 
She found people that had needs and ministered to their needs. And whether the benefits work out or not, only time will tell. But their lives were changed. Their lives were transformed. Their lives became something they never could imagine it to occur. And that's what Jesus is about. He's not about just physically healing somebody because they're blind. He's about changing their life. He's about giving them new life. He's about giving them possibilities they never could dream of happening. And I think the very same thing is true of you and me. And so I want to challenge you with this scripture passage in this Advent season. I want to challenge you to find someone who's blind. That is, they can't see the forest for the trees because they're so biased about family or other things. And go be with them and help them see a new light. I want you to get with someone who's lame, that's on a walker in a wheelchair, and take them out for an afternoon outing and spend time with them. I want you to be with a person who is sick, facing cancer or going through chemotherapy and spend time with them just being with each other. I want you to help someone who's deaf. That is, they can't hear what's being said to them, but you might be the one to say the very same things. It happens oftentimes with teenagers. Their parents tell them stuff and they won't listen to them and you walk up and say the very same things and they finally hear. I want you to help a person who's dead in spirit and just let them vent constantly against you so they can begin to be living life more fully. I want you to help a person get a job who's poor, not a handout, and be there as a mentor or encourager or as a coach so that they might see life in a whole new way. And as I reflected on these challenges, it seems to me that the issue is that all of them don't require a gift and don't require writing a check, but require some time, spending some time with people, being with them, which is what Jesus did with these people he ministered to. That's what Emmanuel is all about, God with us. And we also can be with each other as well. And in doing that, fulfill the scriptures and can do what God has called us to do. For you see, that's what Jesus' ministry was about. The why of Jesus was to be with people, Emmanuel, God with us. It's what John the Baptist was so disappointed in. Because it's not what he expected. And I think oftentimes it's not what we expect. But it's what gives life and transforms life. I think it's what Christmas is all about. I think that's the reason for the season. Taking time to be with someone. Just like God in Christ has been with you. And made a difference in who you are. And what you're about. Let us pray. Eternal God, praise and honor and glory to you that you give us the gifts that Christ had to be with the blind and the lame, 
to be with those that are dead and those that need new life. We pray, O oh God, that your spirit will give us that kind of energy to reach out and to make a difference in people's lives like you've made in ours. For it's about transformation. It's about changing lives. It's about living differently. To you be the praise, the glory, and the honor now and forever. Amen.